And this is Dandelion. Thank you for joining our treble. Thank you for following our tempo. Today we're going to be talking about our top 10 favorite artists to get to know what our tastes are, our own individual tastes for artists and bands, get you to respect us a little bit more and um, or- as far as, <laughs> or disrespect us, I don't know. <laughs> With that being said, I just would like to say that uh, we do uh, have our episodes uh, that we have recorded that you should check out involving an Eddie Van Halen tribute with Troy Branson. Troy Branson is a uh, awesome guitar whiz, up and coming guitar whiz. He's really great. And uh, he decided to join me for that, playing some Eddie Van Halen as well, or his own take on Eddie Van Halen, I should say. And I also have a featured, the first featured interview with a uh, artist this artist in particular is Phil McDonald, uh, the lead guitarist and vocalist of the band Artificial Pleasure. Incredible, incredible human being. Hope you guys like that interview. It's a two-parter. That sounds awesome. I haven't listened to them yet, but I will, and you should too. Yeah, I was very honored that he uh, decided to join in on the action and uh, take a chance on Sonic Dorms and... Uh, give me about two hours or so of his uh, time. So turned out great. So let's get started. This is part one of a three part, uh, three parts episode, three part episode. And we are going over our top 10 most influential artists to, to me and to Max. So Max, let's start with you. Who is number 10 on your list? My number 10 is a band known as STP, Stone Tumble Pilots, featuring Scott Weiland, the chameleon vocalist himself, and the DeLeo brothers, as well as Eric Kretz on drums. They, to me, are like almost like a modern Led Zeppelin um, with a little bit of Beatles sprinkled in there. Uh, you wouldn't really necessarily get that from their first album, but to me, they're one of those bands that you just have to listen to their evolution to get the full picture. And they're a band that definitely evolved. Like they're a band that um, began to wear their influences on their sleeves as they carried on uh, album to album. They don't really have a large discography, but neither do the police or the Smiths. And they're considered some of the greatest artists of all time. Right. So not necessarily, not necessarily every artist has to have a, a humongous catalog of material. If, if I may interrupt and and tell you my number 10, uh, mine is Spice Girls. And I am always going to be a fan of the Spice Girls. Speaking of not having a huge dis- discography, they have about three albums. Um, and if they have a fourth, I never even heard of it because after they kind of went a little bit more American with their sound. I, I wasn't a huge fan of, of that era of their music, but their first two albums, Spice and Spice World, 
rocked my world when I was in my preteen years and it stuck with me and I still listen to them in the car. I think they're number 10 on my list because they're probably like one of my first influences. And I wish I could say that my, my first influences were like David Bowie or something like that, but it was the Spice Girls and I stand strong with them. (laughs) They've got to me like some of the best, pop songs of the 90s. Oh, yeah. And I'm quite a female pop lover. I would say the heart of my music love is female pop. I used to watch their concert on pay-per-view, and I think I basically wanted to be one of them until I got of a certain age and was like, maybe I should be myself and not a Spice Girl. (laughs) Hey, but to to emulate a Spice Girl, I think there, I don't think there's anything wrong yeah. with that. Yeah, I feel like Posh Spice, Victoria Beckham got like the life that every every female pretty much wishes she got. She got to be a Spice Girl. She married David Beckham. She has like four kids with him. Fashion line, and first and last, she got to be a Spice Girl. And she's the only. Isn't she like the only Spice Girl or former Spice Girl that? has like refused almost every time to reunite with the other Spice Girls? Pretty much. I think that was only once. I, I think she only refused just because she had so much going on with her her fashion line that she was like, I can't really take off. And she has four kids. And, and I think two of them are still pretty young. So, I you know, she has a life now. But Sometimes you got to spice up your life. She's pretty amazing, and all of them are amazing. They they all kind of went on to have solo careers, but I think the the zest really came from their their group. I think that um, there's something about them that they they like captured a moment. They really and if you, they couldn't really recreate that. Like had they carried on, like to me, they just captured the zeitgeist like right at the right time. Yeah, and I think. They all really, like, I think they met because they found, like, a newspaper ad and they tried out um, for a record company. And I think they all were really good friends. Like, they all still are, like, genuinely good friends. And I think all the girl groups later, there was just, I always read that there was so much drama. Like, they didn't support each other and there was a lot of jealousy. And that's, like, not what Spice Girls were about. They were about girl power. And I'm with them. Even though I could talk about the Spice Girls all day, who would be your number nine most influential musician in your life? Number nine was always there, but I think as I've gotten older, it became like more like important mm-hmm. to me, and that would be Prince. Oh, yeah. I think Prince is one of those artists that like when you think of individuality in an artist, I think Prince really embodies that individuality in an artist as far as like no one else sounds like Prince and he's got his own style. It's obviously a huge batch of all his own influences, uh, whether that be Sly and the Family Stone or Fleetwood Mac. He's just got it filtered through his own eye and his own mm-hmm. mind and his own mind's eye. And he's uh, there's something about him that's incredibly unique in that filter that he's got. And uh, no one sounds like him. He's such a perfectionist and such a prodigy mm-hmm. and an accomplished just guitar player, synth player, 
vocalist, producer, mm-hmm. engineer, all around musician, songwriter, just he's the whole package, you know, so which is just such a rarity to see that or find that in anybody. And just so prolific too. Think about all the um all the content <laughs> that he's created, all the songs he's written. There's almost too much to say about Prince. Too much. Not enough. What's your number nine? My number nine would be Katie Rose. I love independent female pop, but I also like female pop rock. And she came out in the early 2000s. She's around my age. I think she's like a year older than me. And her full name is Catherine Rosemary Bullard. And she is from California, a singer songwriter and a producer. And she released an album in the early 2000s, like I said. One of her songs called Overdrive was actually featured on the movie Mean Girls. And another one of her songs from her album, Because I Can, was in the movie 13. She had some kind of short-lived success. I don't have a really close personal relationship with her, but I have spoken to her through MySpace, when MySpace was a thing. She kind of talked to me and chatted to me about the music business and how it was changing and the troubles that she had. I think that she she didn't really continue to thrive in the music business because I think she didn't particularly love what they were turning her into. She's like a pretty young blonde and Definitely on the same like trajectory as like an Avril Lavigne, but I thought that she was a little bit more real. The reason I followed her was because I thought her lyrics for such a young age, they really like penetrated my soul. How did a 16 year old or even like younger, she probably wrote them when she was younger, write these songs. And I think that's kind of what inspired me to be a little bit more poetic with my own lyrics for the future. She's released maybe eight independent singles after her first two albums. So her first album was a little bit more like pop rock and it had some success. And then I think she like, I think she might have self-released or actually it was under River Jones music, her second album. And it was more of a offbeat dance album and there were definitely songs within that album that I that I absolutely loved and still listen to but it was very different from Because I Can was her first record and that was released under V2 Records so it was a little bit bigger of a label for her and then I think she went under more of an independent label and that was the River Jones music. And I've I've chatted with him briefly and we follow each other on Instagram. I love that album as well. I wish that she released more, not like her last two albums, but I just really, I wish she released more. And also a cool thing about her is that her, her father, Kim Bullard, played with like Grateful Dead and Crosby, Stills and Nash. And he's pretty, he's been in the music industry as well for a while. And I think that was her leader and path into into that world. Like you said, I think the only thing that you wish for is that there was more there for you. Right. But there is also something to be said about finishing on a high. Um, So who is your 
So yeah, number eight, my number eight would have to be another incredibly innovative. He shares the same birthday as Elvis Presley. Uh, David Bowie. Yes. Who to me, again, isn't somebody who I necessarily enjoyed as much as a child as I did growing up. I think as I got older, I began to dive deeper and deeper into his catalog and really I I began to fully understand the scope and really enjoy and embrace the scope and the eclecticism of his material overall because no David Bowie album sounds like the last one or the one after it. They all, there's people out there that maybe only like one era or one specific album or two in his catalog because he has such a wide scope and he's his career is so eclectic that there's certain people that aren't that open to different kinds of music. So when you have an artist that's that varied within his career, not everybody's going to be into that because some people just have their taste. They like their, their rock and roll or they like their glam or they like their, you know, they like their electronica. They like their industrial music. They like their pop with like, let's dance. There's people that like, the Ziggy Stardust era specifically. They like the stuff he was doing in the mid-70s with the Spiders of Mars, with uh, Mick Ronson on guitar, you know, that glam rock stuff from the mid-70s. Stuff like Starman, you know, those are great rock anthems, uh, glam rock anthems of that era. He's a chameleon. While I love all of his albums, I will never, uh, nothing will ever come close. As the movie Labyrinth, that was my first introduction to David Bowie. All of those songs in that movie are so deliciously catchy. As the world falls down and within you are so poetic. If you read them as a poem, this is like a love letter. So beautiful. The movie kind of like makes the songs seem a little funny and cheesy, especially because there's like puppets and stuff in it. But I loved it. I would watch that any day of the week and... I actually also loved his last album before he he passed away because I think he recorded it when he knew he had cancer and nobody, the public didn't know it. You really kind of hear his darkness in it and it leaves a very potable legacy. That's a good way of putting it for starters. The Labyrinth soundtrack is awesome. Lots of delectable <laughs> pop songs on that, like Magic Dance and Underground great songs and you mentioned within you and as the world falls down which to me are mm-hmm. also awesome i also love his vocals during that mid 80s period i love all his vocals within that era to me they're like really like don't get me wrong i love all his vocals mm-hmm. throughout his entire career but there's something about that mid 80s period if you listen to anything during that era there was just something about where his voice was going oh, yeah. that was like okay incredibly mesmerizing to say the least but in regards to black star you mentioned the whole that he recorded it, wrote and recorded a lot of those songs while he was going through like chemotherapy and whatnot. I found when I remember when that record came out about two days before his passing and then it came out that he had passed and that he was going through cancer treatments during that time period. And they informed a lot, a lot of the music that he was writing and he was, he was recording for that record, Black Star. I found a lot of parallels with, one of my heroes, one of my other heroes, Freddie Mercury, when he was 
writing and recording what ended up being his final songs for the Queen mm-hmm. album, Innuendo, where he was battling symptoms from, from being HIV positive and just how that informed both his performances and his lyrical content during that period. And I saw a lot of parallels in as far as like, these are men that are facing what co- could possibly be the end of their days. And yet they're still standing up and they're still willing, more than willing to fight it to the best of their abilities, mm-hmm. if not more so, and combat it with just incredible on the line performances vocally lyrically just really giving it they're all 110 percent more than ever they're just but to think they were combating these terrible diseases while they were doing that is uh to me just an immense ordeal i totally agree it kind of shows that they really were their music or or their music really was such a huge part of their soul that it had to go with them I think that David Bowie, to me, is probably one of the most standout artists of our time. He will be, if we were cave people, I think we would have carved him onto the, onto the rock walls. <laughs> My number what's your eight, number eight? Sky Ferreira. Now, not everybody knows who Sky Ferreira is, just like not everybody knew who Katie Rose was, but if you do you get your femme pop rock. Um, Sky Ferreira is, maybe she's like in her late 20s now. And she came out when she was about 16 or 17 in kind of the Hollywood music scene. And I think she eventually moved to New York and was in the Brooklyn music scene for a while. But she, um, she's, mostly known now as somebody who has had a very rough time in the music business. She actually came out from MySpace, released her music on MySpace. I think it kind of went popular in Europe for a little while and Hollywood kind of got a hold of her and were like, you're a pretty blonde, let's, with a really good voice and a, a really good writer, let's, let's use that. And from what I have gathered she had some issues with sexual abuse in the music business and I also think she's just probably a very opinionated and she might be a little difficult to work with wants wants her music and her interviews and everything to be a a specific way and it wasn't really I think it wasn't really going her way for the past few years and she's also had albums that were supposed to be released that weren't. There's a lot of unreleased stuff that's on YouTube that is some of my favorite music. Just her lyrics are great. But she released a Ghost EP over 10 years ago at this point, album called Nighttime My Time, which both Max and I are, are, are pretty big fans of. She's got this kind of hipster 80s, but it's not like annoying modern day kind of 80s it just really works blondie vibe to her and um i definitely suggest listening to her her music it's not just for girls she's got really good a really good sound i'm a i'm a pretty big fan of hers i still like anticipate every every album that she comes out with 
well, or doesn't come out with, not to be mean. I, I just love her. I just want all the best for her. But she did come out with a single recently called Downhill Lullaby, which was very dark. And I think she actually wrote it about the abuse that she went through being in this music industry. And she's got, she's got an interesting Instagram. She really supports um, funding the Navajo tribe. Her, her Instagram is an odd one, but that's not to say that she's like an odd person herself. And she's so much more than her Instagram. I'm just waiting for her to release something because I love everything she releases. And I will patiently wait until my dying days. I'm going to add just my like two cents. Even now, I could say she still has the potential to go there. In 2013, when she put out her like major label debut with Nighttime My Time, I truly believed that I was listening to what I thought was like the future of quality, modern pop music. Here's somebody who's got integrity for their own songs and their own songwriting, coming up with these incredible melody nope. lines. Um, there's a real, there's a real spirit and attitude to her voice. You can hear it through just her performances on that record in total. The production by what to me was like the up and coming big hot pop production team of the time. And to me, they're growing into evolving into even, you know, bigger standards and, uh, on their own. Ariel, uh, Rekshide, who would go on to produce Brandon Flowers, second record, The Desired Effect. He works with Haim. I believe he's with one of the Haim sisters in real life. Also, Justin Raisin, who, again, uh, was working with Charlie XCX around that time as well. Great production team, great songs, great performances with a real artist who had a real sense of integrity and rawness in their pop songs and was taking that era of inspiration and that alternative 80s sound, that post-punk think like yeah. a little gothy at points, a little bit of that. I think Susie and the Banshees, again, you mentioned Blondie. I also hear a little bit of suicide yeah. in there as far as stuff that's just a little disjointed and bizarre and eccentric and off the cuff. Something that maybe a general audience would consider yeah. as just too weird. Um, there's a little bit of that on the record too, especially with the title track. And what's the one yeah. track called? Uh, Umanko. Obviously, 24 Hours to me is like the shoulda, coulda, been like the big single off that record then like almost like how is that not this huge worldwide hit and then there's stuff mm -hmm. like heavy metal heart which i really dig really heavy song no pun intended but grit to it and again blame. the whole record's like that it's just a really i blame myself i think record. was an another one of her songs that was supposed to be directed to towards her her difficult time with with being in the industry and I think she also it it has experience with like sexual abuse and stuff in that as well which I didn't know that until recently I thought it was just like a headbutt to the to the music industry but it, it has an even deeper meaning to the song I just think she's a great writer I think and they people compare her to like Halsey and and Charlie XCX and and all these really great artists I think she she could have been better than all of them had she, I'm not going to say followed what they wanted to, her to do in the music business because her nighttime, my time album was her not really following. She needs to follow up with her 
promises of when music is coming out. She's supposed to have had an album called Masochism coming out, and I don't even think that's coming out. And 15 years ago, she was supposed to have a little bit more of a pop album that was supposed to be released called As If. And I've heard a few songs from it, and it's great. You can hear them on YouTube, like unreleased stuff. And the only song that came out from her newer album or newer future album, hopefully masochism was the song called Gar- the guardian. And it's great. The lyrics are great. I, I have no qualms about her music. I just want as, as a selfish consumer, I just want more of it. You mentioned like she wasn't following the rules with nighttime, my time. That was her kind of just cutting out on her own and she delivered in a big way. So to me, had she just followed up on that, just like she did with that record, I think it would have been fine. And she started to do that with Guardian because she she didn't really waste time with releasing Guardian. Like Guardian came out, I think, like a year or two later. So had she just like released the right the second record like right after that, I think it would have been perfect. But and Guardian to me sounds like the logical next step after Nighttime My Time. It sounds yeah. very reminiscent of that record as a song. Like it doesn't sound that far removed from it. So it was perfect it's a great song so i'm a, i'm again just disappointed that we didn't get that record because to me there was like a short window of time within a year or two that she should have had that second record out and i think she would have really cemented herself yeah. as like a she, true force to be reckoned with so. on, she released a song with yeah. charlie xcx recently called cross you out that was on one of her i think it was her last album it's just like this dirty 80s beat and their voices sound amazing on it. It's produced amazingly. I, I rock out to it in my car. I'm not going to lie. I just want more. So, Sky, if you ever listen to Sonic Dorns, I'm with you. I support you. And I will always need more. <laughs> but with that being said, that, uh, that wraps up part one of our three-part top ten. So thank you for joining us today on sonic dorms and we hope that you enjoyed this episode have a good day and stay safe